road leads? Then hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both high and low, rich and poor together. Do you indeed speak righteousness? Do you judge uprightly, all ye sons and daughters of men? And do you judge as others judge? For as you judge, you shall be judged. And if you condemn, you are condemned. Pass on. But there is no return. Hey guys, before we get into the episode, uh, I want to thank everyone for listening and sharing. We've had a really great response. And now that we have an audience, we'd like to try to abuse it and see what we can get more content for the show. If you have a job that you are having sex at, that you're stealing from, anything at all, I mean, it doesn't have to be that sensational, please message it to us, um, whether it's through our website, our social media, whatever. Send us a message. We will protect your identity unless you tell us not to. And uh, we will read it on the air. And it'd be fun to see what we get. It could be really fun. So um, the other thing is we are starting a YouTube page where we're going to put some of our best of moments. So look out for that. And uh, again, thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Hey, guys, this isn't an official commercial. This is me just trying to give a shout out to a business that really helped me out. It's the Super 8 Motel. Um, They absolutely gave me the most incredible anniversary weekend with my wife. Um, I'm going to suggest room 302 at their Detroit Lakes location. I know me and Mrs. Noah liked it. We had sex on every single piece of furniture in that room multiple times. I enjoyed some of the deepest, longest, and most intense orgasms of my entire life. It was like a geyser that would never stop. Now, unfortunately, Mrs. Noah is not able to climax, but due to the staff surprising us with a bowl full of Starburst that they put on the nightstand, she did gleek, and I think that's pretty cool. At any rate, the juice was definitely loose in room 302. And I'm talking, it didn't end there. We got in the bathtub and peed on each other. The walls are just thin enough that you can hear your neighbors puking and having sex. And I mean, we just had a wonderful, wonderful time, and I can't recommend it enough. Super 8 Motel. Tell them Gabe sent you. Hey guys, this week's episode, we actually brought back a guest from not too long ago who is one of our favorites, and we got a really great response from. Um, his name is Jay. Last time we talked about his counterterrorism work, and we just realized we kind of left behind a whole bunch of what we thought was really great stuff about his undercover narcotics days and some other stuff. And this podcast is awesome. So enjoy it. The co-host with me on this episode is Steve Gillespie. You might know him from his album going number one on iTunes. He wanted me to say that, asked it directly. Um, his, uh, he has a podcast as well that I urge you to check out. It is called Under Our Covers. Fuck, I hope I got that right. It's called, uh, whatever. It's a podcast that he ta- he's got this weird relationship <laughs> where he, like, he has sex with his woman and then talks frankly about it with her afterwards. And as a married man, I have to tell you, it is the weirdest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, the last thing you want to do is open up the past and hash it over with your wife. I like to bury it deep and never talk about it. They do it, and it's so cringeworthy <laughs> that I actually really love it, and I think you should listen to it. So they kind of talk about, you know, relationship struggles, 
kink. Like they're both. Uh, He's he's deaf with hearing aids, but they still have violent sex, and uh, and then they also take psychedelic drugs. Whatever, it's very interesting. Check it out, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks. On this episode of Profession Confession, he beats confessions out of perps everywhere, <laughs> trades sexual favors to let the hookers off. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. it's our old friend Jay. Hello. Hello, thank you for coming back. Happy to be here. Very excited to have you here. We have our guest, Steve Gillespie here. Hi, guys. Steve Gillespie has a podcast called Under... What is Under it? Our Covers. Under Our Covers. And it's a podcast, correct me if I'm wrong, it's just where you call your girlfriend baby four times in 20 <laughs> seconds. It's a little more than that, but that, that is part of it, one for episode. sure. Yes. No, it's a I'm really glad you're good, listening, Gabe. I am. It's, I am very interested because I'm not... Um, interested in talking candidly about sex with my wife, so I no. don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's a podcast. Uh, it's a very open relationship podcast about uh, kink. We talk a lot about psychedelics. We talk a lot about um, yeah. He, he, they do BDSM. Kind of fringe, do you know what that is? Fringe I, I lifestyle podcast, kind of yeah. thing. You did so, did, yeah. So you know it. what that is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he. Your um, gal was a hoot. Yeah, she's right. she was great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Steve loves to just beat the shit out of that chick. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but whatever, but she makes likes it too, man. Stronger. She really likes yeah, it too. Well, yeah, I'm sure she does. Perfect match. Um, so all right, so on this podcast, basically the last one, we talked a little bit about you being an undercover narcotics officer, you being SWAT and sniper, bomb squad, and we just wanted to dig deeper because we were so dig focused away. on the terrorism stuff. So, I don't know. Steve, which one's more interesting to you? You want to start with the narcotics stuff? I think narcotics would be more interesting to me. Me just too. Because I'm always... Because you're a drug addict. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> curious what's Dope going on fun. out there. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know if his name's on a list. <laughs> is, yes. Uh, yes, it is. So, how did you get into being undercover narcotics again? Refresh us. Um, I was uh, a regular patrol guy. Um, believe it or not, a position open, and I, as you said, fell into it. Yeah, I yeah. into it. They yeah. said, this guy, this guy hasn't gotten any trouble yet. He hasn't beaten the wrong person for a while, so we'll give him a shot. You're beating people up, just the yeah, right people. just the right people. Yeah. And they said, look, this guy looked good in a dirty goatee and some long hair, so let's figure it out. How old were you? Uh, boy, uh, late 30s. Okay. Mid to late 30s. So your first day, so obviously they have you do it. You grub up a little bit. You let the beard go, yeah. all that kind of stuff. What do you like? What was your first assignment? What do they have you do? Uh, you know, for the most part, I because it was a task force, which basically means a bunch of different cities and counties get together and throw all their resources in a pool. A bunch of dirty guys okay. get together and some gals, and and we uh, we we ride share. We work together. We uh, kind of kind of see how it goes. So as a new guy, I'm doing stuff like. Somebody gets a complaint to smell of marijuana in an apartment building. Little stuff like that where you're just knocking on doors. Ooh, Ooh big case, yeah, Jay. Big paper. I know. Right. <laughs> you guys are they're, they're spending money on that? They're sending you guys yeah. out for that kind of shit? Well, it of escalates, that, right? That's how you escal- climb the ladder? Yeah, it's, it's uh, getting to know you stuff. Hey, yeah. like, can this guy go talk to people? And number two, it keeps the bosses happy because that's the stuff the cops keep going over and over to. Like, Because the cops don't give a shit about that. Right. Yeah. They want to walk in. They, they're knocking on the same door three yeah, times a week because they're smoking weed. And they, can, they don't give a shit. But that's right. where the calls yeah. are coming. So they like to say, look, you're a dope guy now. Go fix that. And you're yeah. Like, oh, okay. As a new guy, you just do it and you smile. And after sure. a while, if you're lucky. It is a job. Yeah, yeah. A, it, it, we have bosses too, even though we run around looking yeah. like we don't. Right, we above the law, sure. Yeah. Um, after a while, you develop uh, 
if you're lucky and, and you're decent with people, uh, develop some informants, which is uh, a bit bread and butter for most real police work and definitely for dope work. So I once got pulled over yep. outside a known heroin dealer's place, and they asked me what I was doing there. <laughs> I told them that yeah, I told them that he was doing some animation for me or something like I can't remember. Which but might I have was been shitting true, my pants. <laughs> oh no, this is the year I wasn't even. I was. Uh, I wanted to be a stand-up comic in my head. I was, but I wasn't doing shit. I'd done yeah, two yeah. open mics, and um, it was just what I ki- I was sh- shitting my pants, and uh, and I had paraphernalia and probably heroin in the car. Yeah, tin foil. I'm not an animal. I don't use needles. Right. And uh, <laughs> never did. I of should course. say. And um, and it was really strange to me because they let me go so easily. You know, they didn't search me. They didn't whatever. What were they probably doing there? Just collecting, uh, yeah, you know, trying to figure out who you are, and if it's, it's probably more likely if they were there, they were looking for whoever you were talking to in the house, right? Or, you know, the, no, the for source. sure. You're, you're, yeah, it was a big like locked apartment thing that yeah. we went to. Yeah, so I'm sure they couldn't get. Yeah, no, uh, they were not in uniform. These were on 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 uniform. They were in uniform. They were in uniform. Yeah, they yeah. were. So it sounds like what you were doing, you were never in uniform. Uh, not not in the dope stuff. No, no. I was t-shirt and shorts, uh, long hair earrings. Taz just, t-shirt. Yeah, you know, anything yeah. with a, anything with a skull on it for some reason that Absolutely. was a thing. <laughs> you sound like such <laughs> a, a skull. Yeah, it's insane. If I see somebody with like, a skull and yeah. like a short, I'm like, this guy's a fucking yeah. narc. With <laughs> either a douchebag or a cop. <laughs> Any One t-shirt that says Punisher on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Either way, shirts. I don't want to party with this guy. No, <laughs> <laughs> just sell him the drugs and get him yeah. the fuck out of here. Yeah. You're the one guy who pot dealers didn't talk to, yeah, or like hold their telling them their theory. And you yeah. guys were focused on on marijuana. No, no, not at all. Say, this I, was I the like this is... stuff. This was the okay. You, you're making the bosses happy, yeah. learning the ropes, climbing the ladder, literally just learning how because it's not cop work in the traditional yeah. sense. You're not out there making stops, writing tickets, you're, or, or even arresting people at that. Not, point. not really. No. no, it's it's ninety percent of it really is an intelligence collecting role. We're out there trying to find people who have information and you're just trying to convince them to work for you. The ah. dirty side is, is usually they're in trouble and they're trying to go to jail or go to prison themselves. And yeah. so if you're good at doing dope, you're good at working informants, good at working information, convincing them that it's actually better to work with you than to go to jail. A lot of oh, I times see. Okay. Self, so that, that's the big that carrot. That sells itself yeah. most of the time. Yeah, that's the carrot. So you're um, not yeah. really like offering money. You can. You, you can. can offer money. I, I, um, in my limited time, I know I did for people. a couple of, two, three years. <laughs> Um, I never paid anybody. It wasn't that I'm not, I wasn't okay with that. We, that's part of the job to pay It's legal people. to do that? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. There's a ton of oversight that, the, the, that world has changed a lot. We have a ton of oversight. So the money isn't wild and free and, you know, just. Yeah, sure. Uh, let it rain. Like imagine that could get sticky on both sides where yeah. you guys yeah. are, you know, where, where does that, if you're not accounting for that money, where is yep. it actually going? And yeah, well, it, we had a gang well, squad in town who got busted for right. uh, knocking over a bunch of drug dealers. Every six months, they'd go in and do a raid. They'd take all their money and drugs and then never follow up with any charges and then come back again in six months. That, that's wow. a future podcast we, we, wow. uh, that we're working and on. That was happening in this town. Oh, yeah. Wow. Huge thing. Like, the evidence room they had access to, like sure. every cop in there had, had had access to the evidence room, and they were tagging with different color-coded things, and the guy who broke it down was going, why are there different color inventory tags? It was because each cop in the department was claiming shit. Nice. Ah. Like when this trial's over, I get this brick of cocaine or these guns <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> like that was real. Yeah. I licked it first. And they were mine. grabbing money. So yeah. how much is that? I mean, honestly. If you're a human being, 
I can't even imagine busting a Coke dealer who's got $4,000 in this place that you know is just a drug money. The most ill gotten money on yeah, the yeah. fucking planet almost. And to go that you're busting your ass for 40K a year or whatever and to not peel 200 off there. You know? 200? Right. Well, right. I'm trying to get him to admit to it. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I thought we'd start with a smaller amount. You know, the most, I, I there were a the couple. most you took co- is how much? Yeah, a few thousand. <laughs> Obviously, too. Uh, the, actually, the biggest amount of money I ever saw it wasn't much for our group. I got about 70 grand on a, on a weed warrant, believe it or not. That Again, not that we go out of our way for weed warrants, but if somebody has a $70,000 sure. bag under their bed with, you know. Mm. How much is $70,000 worth of fucking weed? How big oh, of a, that's like a uh, goddamn apartment? That's a lot. It's a, yeah. It depends what you buy and who from. But um, there was nobody was there. It was just a, a roommate and a bag full, yeah. bag full of cash. So what we was spent the about main... four hours counting it. Right. And then all the paperwork that goes with it. There was about four people in the room, two people counting and two people signing for it. There's like if $20 went missing by the end of oh, the night, wow, yeah, right. it, the whole thing stops and we do it over. So. There may have been a time where that wasn't quite so strict. Uh, I worked in a very strict environment that didn't allow for kind of sure, that free-willing no thing that maybe was happening before. I don't know. Were you working in a time when there were still crack houses? Like, I mean, would you go make buys at crack houses, or is this in the cell phone era? Um, you know, I didn't see a lot of that. And, and crack in general, I know you're not talking about just crack, but right. I didn't see a lot of crack. There was some. Um, right. I saw more meth. Most of my work was meth or heroin. Okay. If it wasn't some of the, the That was most of my work, too. Yeah. For fun. But <laughs> heroin, most yeah. Of my leisure. You, could, <laughs> you could probably find the modern version of Crack House in, in the meth world, you know, very yeah, small sure. amounts, lots of traffic. Um, we didn't necessarily do a lot of work, those kind of things, like, hey, this house is really busy. We should just sit out here. We could do that. Where you, Maybe like where you got roped in, like, yeah. hey, that's a busy house. Let's stop a few cars and maybe we can get some informants or get some cheap arrests, you know, some low-level stuff, and maybe they'll flip over and, yeah. and get us in there. If we're lucky, we already have an informant who can do that for us, so we don't have to sit around. So you guys are trying to get you guys are trying to get to the big stuff, That's trying to the get goal. to the big Always. the big yeah. rats. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I had I had some partners that made it all the way up to the you know essentially the cartel level, which I never I never did. That, so that's they were like they, the were, pro they bowl. were all the way up the pro bowl undercover yeah. where the where they were like they were involved with the with the cartel level as far as they tr- the cartel level trusted them. Well, I, that might be a bit of an exaggeration. The car, in Minnesota, the, the you can't touch dope in Minnesota or anywhere else, in my opinion, that doesn't directly involve the cartel at some level. Sure. You're not necessarily dealing with a cartel person, but the source is always Mexico. And my, yeah. Again, yeah. I think we no, talked about this we before. We did another podcast. Mexi- yep, exactly. Mex- yeah. Mexico is where all the good stuff's coming from. It's just a matter of who it goes through after. Yeah. When I mean they, it, they got into the cartel stuff, where if I took – say 80 pounds of meth off of somebody uh, which something similar to happen while i was still on the team as i was transitioning to the other job um somebody answered for 90 pounds of meth i don't know how or where whether it was here arizona you took, or across so or, you did take 90 pounds of meth yeah, 80, off of 90 pounds somewhere around there yeah how did that go uh, it was a long – it wasn't my case, but okay. with something of that level, it's, you know, federal agencies, okay. a bunch of different task forces. This is much bigger level it, than the low-level meth guys. This Is is that true that the Outlaw Motorcycle Club still control meth in this area, would you say? Um, I don't know about control, but, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the they were shakers? historically involved yeah. in meth. Um, meth can I, – I, I, when I did – when I was doing dope stuff uh, – 
I had it, it informants truly do drive the road. I had I had um, some access to the Asian community, so I had a lot of Asian meth. Um, That's what we heard. There's a that those gangs are a lot stronger than what we know. The 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 Asian gangs. Yeah, and yeah, and the native mob too. Yeah, I never I never did a lot of I never had a lot of access to native native uh, communities, native mob stuff. I was familiar. I yeah. had some guys who knew them but w- weren't into them. I ended up kind of had two groups I was stuck in for most of trash. I had my luck is just I had Asians and I had white guys from the suburbs. Really? That's it. So I had Southeast Metro kids just out of high school selling heroin to each other in Minneapolis for Mexicans. And I had uh, Mexicans and Asians in St. Paul. And, and you know. Not that we weren't a St. Paul group. It's just that you go yeah, to the yeah. metro no matter where you go. So if I worked in the suburbs, if you track it far enough back, it all comes back to the city. And if you track that far back, that's where you get to the cartel stuff. Not yeah. necessarily that they're here, sure. but they're Yeah, you go all the way up the ladder, yeah. yeah. Who's so. the most clever that you ever saw busted? Like, was there someone where you go like, oh, that was a fucking clever ruse or someone who had a good, uh, good game? Almost none. Really? I, I mean, some of the bigger cases that I helped with on the peripherally – um, if that's actually a word, um, it is. You yeah. Okay. Thank right, you. I, I, didn't, I didn't bring my no, dictionary today. I'm right. sorry. Um, you know, they were pretty smart. They had gone. The problem is, is everybody eventually makes a mistake, or one of their friends gets arrested, and mm. again, they're all maybe felons and don't want to go to prison because a little dope isn't going to put somebody in prison for ten years unless you've already been there for ten years. And sure. then maybe this is the next thing that puts you away for a long time, even in Minnesota, which isn't at least in my opinion, known to have the strictest of sentencing guidelines. Um, they're pretty good. They lasted a long time. I think they probably made a lot of money. Um, yeah. Most most dope dealers, in my opinion, probably don't make that much money, and the risk is right. cost-benefit. It's yeah. a business. And I, yeah. I think we said this before. If you ever talk about dope work or dope business any as anything other than a business, you're missing the point. Yeah. There's cost-benefit. There's violence is a tool used to ensure profit and all this other stuff yeah so sure you can't forget it's a business some are just shitty at it they're just yeah. they're entrepreneurs that don't know what the hell they, they're doing they make mm-hmm. bad decisions they sell to the wrong people or they're just no good at it and they get arrested or robbed they're not careful yeah yeah what do you think is more destructive between meth and heroin boy that's a tough one i i'm a little biased because a lot of the, the worst too. things i've ever seen a lot of the worst things i ever seen were meth related that hit okay. home for me so emotionally i see meth as like this what are those things uh, <laughs> so i feel like i feel like the, vi- the the bad stuff that comes from meth is when you're on meth where the bad stuff that comes from heroin is when you're not on heroin and you need more heroin yeah. that's where the crime comes in Oh, a, am I that's wrong? An interesting take. No, I, I don't think you're way off. I, yeah, I, I, I think people that are on meth are fucking up, and then people you that are kind of keep your brain a little bit with heroin until you get when they're needle users, where they like uh, nod off and pass yeah. out. Then I'm sure. Yeah, but they're not. They're not robbing people until they're awake and need more heroin. Correct. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, my personal, ex- it, it, all my baggage, this emotional baggage that you get from doing this long enough is. When I dealt with folks that were with in heroin, they were reasonable, articulate. Uh, again, in my experience, I was dealing with a lot of you know, generally suburban. Good guys. Uh, they're kids. Um, yeah. They started with pills, and, and then that whole story, you mm-hmm. can tell a thousand ways. Opiates, yeah. Started with mom and dad's pills, and then those got expensive, and heroin got cheap. Yeah. They were decent to deal with. They weren't necessarily reliable, but they weren't meth heads. Yeah. They, were, they weren't tweakers. They were something else, and they were reasonable. They didn't make great decisions, but 
you could be a heroin user for a very long period of time and, and an untrained person, even myself sometimes, I met some of them, I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know unless I got arrested. Like this guy's on, like this guy right. had, you know, an ounce of heroin in his pocket. You're like, holy shit. Right. What are you doing? You're, you're like a 20 year old kid from the suburbs. What are you doing with an ounce of heroin? Yeah. Well, I've been I've been on on heroin for years. My nobody knows. I'm just selling to my buddies who are also on heroin. So we just figure out our own yeah. thing. And mm-hmm. um, they were decent. The meth folks were the whole different world. The meth folks, uh, they, it was like all civil society, all intelligence, all humanity went out of them instantly. It didn't take long. If you started meth. And and six months I saw you, you were an entirely different. You were a husk of a human being, a, just yeah. a, a complete mm-hmm. degenerate. Just there wasn't much left Such of humanity. A bad drug. The, the <laughs> stuff I saw and drug. and what hurt me in dope stuff personally was kids because I didn't have kids when I was on the road and all the horrible suicides and uh, dead baby stuff and all the other stuff you just see as part of wearing the uniform. It was impactful, but it wasn't necessarily personal. And the problem is I had a kid once I went to dope, and so I saw kids everywhere. And once you see kids, yeah. you think about no, your it makes own you weak. Kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm going into meth, ha- meth houses and seeing like eight, nine people just all over the place when we kick a door in, and there's a kid in the other room in a diaper that hasn't been changed in like uh, 12 oh, hours. Oh, fucking shit, yeah. And, yeah. You, and unlike, you know, if there was ever a time where people got the shit kicked out of them for being bad human beings, the time is gone, at least for here. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably deserved an ass whooping, and, and we can't do that. I was going to ask that exact thing. just have to deal with it and call human services and say, get here now and get this kid out of this fucking house mm. because I'm not leaving. And I've got a thousand other things to do, but there's nothing more important in my world right now than getting yeah. this kid out of here, even if it's just for the night. Is there ever one moment where you go like – like where it was hard for you not to fucking give someone a pounding. Oh yeah, yeah. Is there was, one was, that sticks out? You know, I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't. I wasn't somebody known for like what they would call use of force. I wasn't somebody that was quick to use <laughs> known of force. For use of force. That's, I love it. Yeah, it's it. It oh, wasn't that I'm opposed yeah, to it. Beats the shit out of <laughs> <Yeah>. people. <laughs> but and I don't blame. Whatever. But there. But yeah, there. There's times where you're like, I'm a reasonable human being, and you are trying every last bit of my humanity yeah. now for just being an asshole. Mm. Um, I've had. To, I've had. I had. Um, I, we did a hotel once. We do a lot of hotel rooms too, because go figure. It's just folks that are moving around. Um, and we had complaints of some traffic, and it wasn't weed related, and we didn't know what it was. It was heroin. We always assume meth, especially mm-hmm. you know, uh, some of these people. places, because that's eighty percent, eighty ninety percent of what we're dealing with. Um, and we ended up doing a warrant, and it was a husband, wife, uh, three kids in the, the smallest hotel room you'd ever seen, and they had a kid, and it, it was the same thing. Uh, there was a meth pipe in the in the uh, pack and play. There was another meth pipe in the bathroom. There's kids walking all over the place, and mom and dad are complete tweakers. And I, I lost it. I took I took uh, mom aside because she was the one that was like, "I'm talking to you first. Dad was decent, but she was being kind of a pain in the ass. And I took her over the side and I said, "Look, this, this, this is trying my ever. I mean, I yeah, you yeah. wouldn't necessarily see me lose it where it's just straight yeah. profanity, red faced, mm-hmm. yelling and screaming. But I did for about five minutes where I actually had people come around the corner and make sure I'd thrown her down the right. stairs. Yeah. But we're, I mean, we're, we, I, we're human. And, right. and if, if you, when the most memorable things for me were always the things that struck home. And it was when I had a kid, everything was a kid related. That's yeah. just what I noticed mm-hmm. when I was doing it. 
it's personal and you carry that with you and you just deal with it. Some people do better than others. I, luckily, I never crossed the line. There's some people that, you know, sometimes you're wishing it was 50 years ago and, and, a, and a, yeah. a flashlight across across the head would have been okay. Those days aren't here anymore and this person is and probably going to go to the jail for the night and they're going to get their kids back in three or four days. And I think there's one of the, nothing I can do about it. Yeah, and It's I, something that you still carry to today. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like a PTSD sort of yeah, I mean, I there are, there are I we I know people. I work with people of there no shit PTSD from traumatic incidents like an actual like holy shit that's it. Yeah. Um, I'd say for me it's more of a you collect these stories and experiences and you mm. you just kind of tell those stories over enough years and years. My wife's heard them all and she's you get she numb. Yeah. Yeah, it's bit. not. It, it's you, you try and be human about it. You mm-hmm. just say, "Look, I had a shitty day. I'd come home. You know, when I was on the road, which is vernacular for just wearing wearing a uniform and doing calls every day, getting in a car and driving around. You know, I went to uh, uh, an infant death in my in my field training, which is you're teamed up with a, a senior officer and they're teaching you how to be a cop and not being a dick. And uh, a baby had died at a at a group home. It wasn't a group home, but it was like a foster home for special needs kids. Kid never had a chance. Kid was sick, you know, mm-hmm. four or five weeks old. And died, and that was one of my. That was like the second death scene I'd ever been to. Mm. I went home and had drinks that morning. I worked yeah. overnight. I went home and had drinks that night till like ten o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Went to bed, and I told my wife, I "Go, God, that sucked." I yeah. said because this, you know, this uh, woman who was taking care of these kids is a saint, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But I didn't have kids back then. That was a kind of an easy one to just say. Shitty day. Yeah. Have a move few on. drinks. Move on. If I had that call today, I wouldn't be able to react the same way. I don't think I would process that as well. Um, but you see enough death and enough of that gore that you just go, oh, shit, here's another dead body with brains on the ceiling or something. But is there, like is there with with the police force and with this kind of work, are there, do they have things set up for you guys, like counseling and things to be able to learn how to deal, well, not just learn, but just people that yeah. can be like oversight to make sure that you guys aren't, you know, are yeah. able to deal with these things. When when I you know I when I started there probably was if you asked for it. Um, now they do do um, have something. It, it, they basically bring a team in of specialists that come in and, and do like group sessions and and you. So the folks that are involved in shootings or bad homicide scenes or bad suicide stuff that's super gory that you know people are going to have issues with dead kids. Yeah, is always seems to be one of them. Um, they'll bring everyone in and just say, you don't have to come, but we want everyone, we want cops there, medics, yeah. we want mm. everyone in there just to talk about it. I went to one, it was uh, when I was doing dope work, one of our guys got shot at um, during a surveillance thing. Um, it wasn't necessarily, I wasn't even there. I, the guy took my spot, ironically enough, I went home because I had a family thing, and where I was parked is where the shooting happened. He took my spot because I had to go. Um, and it, some kids tried to jack him didn't know he's a cop and all of a sudden they figured out he's a cop and they ran away shooting back okay which of course never works yeah. except for bullets in everybody else's house in north minneapolis right um they did one for that i thought it was fine but i for me there was no point i didn't yeah not no point for me because yeah, i was yeah. just being there for my partner who had just got shot at and probably was a little upset about it yeah I mean, he's a good guy he's he's off at the feds now having a good career but um what about it's good to have those things in case something does happen because I think it does work. I think it is relevant to be able to talk about yeah, it in absolutely. front of people who are like, I don't judge you, dude. You just got yeah. shot at or saw a dead body or had mm. to kill somebody. We don't get up every morning. Believe it or not, 
unlike in the news, we don't get up every morning with the idea, God, this would be a great, <laughs> great day yeah. to go shoot somebody <laughs> yeah. and get yeah, away yeah. with it. Because Lord knows, I'd, I'd love to maybe go to jail for that. So I have to ask a couple of things from, we were texting a little bit. Yeah. So, but right before that, I want to ask, because you mentioned it, you said about the gory things you've seen. Mm-hmm. Is there, what, what is the most gory thing that you've seen? Uh, I've seen a couple, uh, a couple death scenes that were pretty good. Um, I've... <laughs> They're all they're all awful. Right, but you get used to it after a while. Like yeah. you know, most of the people die in bed or on the shitter. That just seemed to be my way. Mm-hmm. I also went to a lot of heart attack calls where they weren't dead yet, but I was Doctor Death, and they all died when I got there. That was kind of my thing for a couple sure. of years. I had to go through about twenty or thirty of them before we wow. pulled one out of the fire. That's a lot of yeah yeah. I was, was on a bad streak. About yeah. four years of Doctor Death. Um, and we had one or two that worked out well, which was nice, kind of reaffirmed that sometimes yeah. it does work. Um, as the first guy, I talked about d- the dead baby thing, which shouldn't be funny. Um, my first uh, time on the job, field training, just like I said, with the, with the senior officer out there doing calls, mm-hmm. I, I think it was day one. I went to a guy who, who um, put a shotgun through his, through his chin mm-hmm. out the top of his head in a hotel room. And uh, up to that point, I realized I'd never seen a dead body before. This is just one of these things. Let like, alone, yeah. The, all, all, the, all the other cops and medics and everybody there are like, let's see, let's see how Jay does because we, we don't know. I mean, this is the test. It's like, is this yeah. guy, Were you is nervous this guy walking gonna quit in? tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, I, I mean, was, did you know I what it was? I want to make sure I'm cool. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I don't have a problem with gore, but what I'd seen of gore wasn't gonna, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, faces of death. Yeah, who yeah. knows? Yeah, <laughs> I saw it too when I was like eight years old. I mean, yeah. that's perfectly uh, normal. Um, I walked in there and. Guy's just on the floor. There's a gun. There's a bunch of people smiling at me like, what's this guy going to do? Is he going to crack like an egg or is he going to, you know, is he just going to be tough? I'm picturing like the jaded guys that have seen it for 10, 15 years and they're just like, (laughs) (laughs) look at this. It's insane that they go like, (laughs) like they go eat at Burger King after that, you know, like, (laughs) I'm hungry. Right. What do you want? Chinese? Or, you you know, you go, yeah, eat some tacos and go home and fuck your wife and go to sleep. (laughs) Like, Jesus Christ. But I did. I walked in there, and, and after a while, they basically let me – they they wanted to see how I was doing. It was more more of a test on me. It's it's a suicide, so it's not like a whodunit. It's like, yeah. It's the guy. He's dead. There's the gun. Um, but it was about 10 minutes in before I noticed that his skull and brain was on the ceiling. Stuff and I, to this day, I'm still shocked that nobody bothered to tell me. They just wanted to see how long it was I noticed and, before somebody put a shotgun in their head, and I couldn't figure out where it all went. Right. Until I looked up, and shit is literally dripping down off the ceiling Jesus. onto this guy. And, of course, when the coroner comes, which for us can take a couple hours, depending on how busy they are, we call them up say, look, I got a dead body. We got to get them out of there. We don't move them. Right. It's not really a – we're going to be a crime scene here for the next 24 hours. It's a suicide. So once it – you know, they'll right. take care of some of the autopsy stuff later. It's a guy or a gal who shows up with a gurney and some gloves and some really weird shit to test. And they're like, hey, I need to help moving this guy. He's too heavy for me. They're like, hey, he straws, Jake, straws. I guess, yeah. I guess, no, no, no straws. New guy. Fucking yeah. new guy gets yeah. to do it. Yeah. And the, the stuff they don't tell you when you're new is everybody shits their pants when they die. Yeah. And it's not like somebody Steve does dressed, it while he's alive. <laughs> and, and nobody tells you there's a huge difference between what it smells like when someone takes a shit in a bathroom. When somebody dies, it is everything comes out, and it is the most god-awful death stench is it a big thickening. shit? Or? 
it's all it's just <laughs> that's a relevant question on this know. podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's a big shit i don't it's it's all of it it's everything yeah. they ever had in their body came out slowly after their body just gave up the fight what so, uh, what was the thing about the urine soaked floor or oh um when uh what I was famous for when I was doing uh, when I was doing dope work was Fridays. I got to known as the guy who's not allowed to do work on Fridays anymore. And the first, the reason why that became was a, a again a, a warrant. I think this one was probably in the metro area. It was a Mexican dude living in the basement, Asian wife, both of them hardcore uh, meth. Uh, he was a, a meth dealer, probably ounce level guy. So he was busy enough. He had folks coming and going, but they lived in this tiny little unofficial apartment in a basement, and it was all boarded up. You couldn't see anything. We got a, a buy out of the place. Went in on a warrant later, and the first thing we came into when you got at the bottom of the stairs, because of course there's no windows, there's no lights, nothing works in these houses. There's no. Right. All sanity left the second yeah. the door opened. There's shit and <laughs> electronics on both sides of the wall. Taking people taking apart electronics. It's 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 a tweaker thing that they got to take apart cell phones and and radios and shit when you're not sleeping and you've got nothing else. Yeah, so you they be just busy. take you stuff take apart. apart. They're like tinkers, but opposite. It's taking everything apart and then just yeah. piling it up to yeah, the ceiling. Yeah, I just take it apart. for no reason at all. <laughs> we don't put it back together. We no, just <laughs> disassemble things shit and apart. move on to the next thing. Um, I, I can't tell you how many. Uh, 80, 90% of the warrants they had involved math involving people taking shit apart and then just leaving it there. You didn't, or That's just so collecting strange. random things, lighters and, and, and bottles and just random shit. So they're like, they're like hoarder houses, but in a really weird, organized way in their mind. It gives mind, them some weird purpose. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. I can do, I can do, I can right. fix all this shit. Yeah. I mean, nothing I'm being fixed. Yeah. This guy just took apart right. computers yeah. and they're stacked to the ceiling. But this room was probably, you know, four feet wide with couches and all this shit stacked. So you can't walk anywhere. It's dark. It smells got off. We're not sure why, but we don't have any lights on. And the first thing we come is this Asian gal sitting right in the middle of the room in a recliner. She doesn't speak a lick of English. And all she started doing was screaming at the top of her lungs. And she wouldn't move. She just shaking and screaming and, and like, get down, get down. Let me see your hand. You know, all the, the yeah. these cop show shit. She wouldn't do any of it. She's just screaming. And we're like, we need to get by her, but That's I can't because we're like with. climbing yeah. over computer parts and meth pipes and bongs and shit everywhere. We finally get past her. And we're looking for the dude because I know he's in there. It's not a huge apartment, but you take a left and there's a dark room that might have a bathroom on it but you're like i don't want to step on anything but you realize as soon as you turn the corner every step you took was like a sponge and i couldn't figure it out because it was dark i mean it was spongy like a couple inches of give every time you walked it would squish and you're like what the fuck is that um so we're yelling at this guy we know he's in the back probably we thought flush and flush and meth or whatever he was doing yeah. when he heard us come down the hall. Eventually, he comes comes back and he's naked, head to toe, in all his glory. Um, and we finally get enough uh, lights on. We get to see what's going on. We realize it's actually a linoleum floor. It's it's a real floor. It was supposed to have wood underneath and the whole thing, but it's saturated and it squishes when you walk on it. And the best I can tell, it was urine. It was just dog and people and turds everywhere and so it kind of mixes turd urine amalgam of vinyl and whatever else awful things happens over years in this place where apparently nobody bothered to clean anything up and this guy came out and the whole thing was we got to get some underwear on this guy because he's he's just smiling ear to ear he doesn't speak a lick of english 
most of a few basic words, but he's got total. Uh, he's just like this is the f- most fun he's had in years, and he's just <laughs> like, sure, dude, whatever. So like, get Eric. So it's my warrant. So of course, everyone's just like barely holding on to their their lunch, and it's Friday, and like I said, it's Friday, so mm-hmm. it's afternoon. Everyone's looking forward to like. Yeah, this day we roll into the weekend, get some Miller time. This guy comes around the corner, and everyone's like, "Oh shit!" Make me pull his little tidy whities under him. So I've got his. You put glory. So you put underwear on a, on an adult man before? Uh, no, life? this would be like, the first time. First right, time. but I'm saying you have. Yeah, like, I have. No, like it's I, on the resume. Like I put a diaper on my son. Yes, you pulled yes. underwear onto it. Yes, adult with all man. his naked glory right, right next to my face. Nice dick. No, really, no. <laughs> That was, no. No, that, was, that was a quick no. No, that was quick. It was a quick no. That was a very quick no. <laughs> it was not good. But it was so close. It was so close. <laughs> and, there's just uh, such better drugs out there. There's, such there's just shit. way better. I just don't get meth. I just never understood yeah. it. Like that shit. Like, oh. It's good for energy. I guess. <laughs> Gives you energy. So I think that's <laughs> there's other know. drugs that it's give you energy. way too much energy. <laughs> um, and then how about, so I know you've never killed anyone on the record at least none that you'll admit to that's correct how many guys you just kick the shit out of very few really yeah but there have been a couple uh yeah most of the a lot of the doing when you're doing the dope work and the warrants all the time uh eventually someone's gonna Gonna. fight and, and get into it and it's just how do they usually do it um Usually it's like rushing you or getting in your way where you're trying to get, especially when you're trying to go through the front door. Everyone knows you're there, even if you're knocking and yelling and so, screaming. But to come back to that, so a lot of times what you guys are doing, you, you said you get like somebody to buy that you, is an informant, and then you're like, all right, we're, we got the warrant, yep. and now you guys are just rushing the place. Yep. Um, unless and you're was, armed. Oh, yeah. And your gun's out. Yep. We're, so you got our, the bearded selves that we are with uh, with a, a a tack vest on a ballistic vest mm. and a rifle or handgun or whatever it is. And, and like eight, 10, 15 people knocking on the door and usually yeah. knocking if they want to answer. And most of them didn't knocking the door and then coming in and just getting everyone, you know, in handcuffs until you can figure mm. out who who's there and what's going on. And then, and then what is that rush? Like, like, I mean, before be you, did, it's gotta be insane. You know, it wasn't that bad. I think after we did so many that there were a few that stick out where you're like, this is a real bad guy. Okay. And, any that you can talk about in a um, sense, like you, know, I mean, you guys ever were you guys assuming that they were going to be armed as well? Uh, some we know. I mean, I did. I did one in um, again in St. Paul, which I didn't mean to. It just happened to go up there. But um, I was buying guns off a kid up there. Um, I mean, by me, I mean an informant. Okay. Somebody I was working with was buying guns and and weed off a kid who was a known gang member. Uh, confirmed gang member in Minnesota. It's actually like a certification you earn through yeah, yeah. points, basically. You mm-hmm. do a lot of things, you get points, and now you're a gang member. Okay. Um, he was the no-kidding uh, gang member who had a bunch of weapons violations, and I had photos of guns all over the place. So in yeah. um, stuff like that, uh, we would just use the SWAT team because they have all the equipment and, and training that – as the drug guys, we don't have. So we would do everything up to a point, mm-hmm. and then once it reached a certain level, we're like, no, we nearly we need to go at 3 a.m. There has to be an armored vehicle, maybe, okay, you know, snipers, the whole thing. Um, it, anything shy of that, we would just do ourselves. We'd just say, look, we think he's a bad guy, but we're not sure about weapons. He's not a violent. He's got a criminal history. He's not violent. We just do it ourselves. So we write, you know, we make the case, write the warrants execute the warrants, find the evidence, do all that stuff. And the end of the day, we just write the report and life is just basically a one-stop shop for everything. So then what's an example of a guy who swung on you um, or where you had to be physical? 
you know, we had uh, we had one kid uh, in out in the burbs somewhere who I think he was just high as shit. He he didn't know what was going on, but he as soon as somebody came in there, he just started screaming like a woman and literally swinging like the two, like the pinwheeling arms. He was good as Steve Gillespie's yeah. dojo. Yes, <laughs> that's how I fight. Scream, swing my arms. He was swinging. <laughs> he was swinging, and he didn't know. But it was one of those things like. It's not necessarily that he's like I'm not gonna. This isn't somebody who's a, a deadly threat. He's yeah, not did swinging you a samurai, but he gets he gets he gets football tacklers. He can teach you all these fancy checks, picking people to the ground, and yeah. tasers, and all this stuff. Basically, three grown men just tackle you, yeah, and then fight for your hands until you can put handcuffs on you. And this guy screamed like the holy, like the end of the world for about two minutes, but he couldn't. Between two, three or four grown men on top of them and the little places, because they're always little places. They're never spacious, yeah. uh, spacious uh, suburban homes. They're all these little tiny little rentals. Um, I, either he couldn't or wasn't able to move, and he just got people, like, pulling body parts. I think I was grabbing an ankle and twisting a foot just trying to get something to move. Um, most of the time it's just like that. It's just this chaotic – it's nothing from the movies. It's this chaotic mass of humanity just yeah, colliding well, with each probably just – the guy's just scared. Yeah. Oh, you know, sure. He's terrified. He's high, but still, how many people terrified. scream when they're scared? Oh, like, for real. A lot. You know what I mean? Uh, really? I would think a lot. That's just yeah. a common yeah. thing, I would huh? think yeah. a lot. We're not all I don't think I've ever like you, screamed in my life. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I don't think I've ever screamed for, for real fear. Really? Ah! I don't know. What the fuck are you doing? I mean, what do you I've, do? I've you jumped. Scared? Oh, I mean, I've jumped. I've been scared out of my wits, you yeah. know. But I've never screamed because of it. Would you? Yes, like, I absolutely would you, scream. Really? Probably. Yeah. I remember I had a drug dealer sh- like point a gun at me once, and I mean, inside I froze because we were just trying to buy drugs in South Central mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Like I'm scared already in the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. People would walk by and go. Hey, motherfucker, where are you from? <laughs> and it's, as soon as people start asking you where you're from, yeah, it's and not, not wh- right. That's <laughs> the, the worst <laughs> indicator of where you're at. You were in the wrong place. Yeah, not, not yeah. here. <laughs> and um, and the guy, like, as a warning, like, goes, hey, mother, if you try anything, motherfucker. Like, he had to – and I go, I'm already scared. And, I mean, I was yeah. truly, like, my skeleton was frozen inside me. I was not – as manly as I hoped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I froze. I, I don't know that I, if something would have happened, I don't know that I could have. <laughs> yeah, I don't fucking scream. I don't sit in a recliner and scream until people pull me out of it. You know, it's, that's, that's what's weird to me. I'm scared all the time. I'm scared of my wife. Like when she comes home at 4.30, it's like, oh God, I hope I did everything right. Like I hope I did the dishes enough and I raked the whatever, you know? So scared, fear, I know. I know fear. Yeah. I live with fear. Yeah, all the time. What, what, um, so, so I mean, have you got to absolutely f- do a full swing on a perp's face? Uh, no, I, um, God, you're a nice guy. I, I hate I, it. I, no, it's. <laughs> Can we get some guy who brutalizes some people? In awful it? person. Yeah. No. So. Um, I, I've I've been a lot. Of, there was there was one where um, where I nearly shot somebody, which was a, a different story. Yeah. But I was on the other side of the car, so I had my own issues, and he was still. Well, a lot of problems we see is when people are completely freaked out for whatever reason. A bunch of cops run at them. They're all wearing the. Sh- shit with all the rifles and the guns and everything else they start reaching for things and you see it all the time when people start reaching things yeah we get scared because sure of course yeah you guys are a pussy. lot of these guys <laughs> that's Sorry. right you're like <laughs> you're reaching, yeah no reaching for a pack of, of gum it's always gum. i'd be cool yeah. yep exactly yeah. 
They, well, you need fresh start, breath. Yeah, you're, you're, fresh breath when you're about oh, to I got to talk to like, this policeman. Yes. I better put in some gum. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. <laughs> Eight shots of the dome. Double tap. <laughs> All right. Well, juicy fruit. The juice is loose <laughs> out of your fucking head because <laughs> I've shot holes in it. Right. No, it, 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 it's not. Uh, it's seen, just to circle back to the Warren thing, I see 98% of the time either they're terrified and completely compliant or because we literally just kicked the door in, we're there. It's very intimidating. It's designed to be that way so sure. that we don't have to fight and right. shoot people. But uh, you get most of the guys that have done time already know the deal. They're, they're you know, hands up in the air. I got it. I'm busted. I'll be out of yeah. tomorrow. I've been through this. It's not scary, but totally, totally compliant mm. and even polite to some extent because they learn. Sure. That. But every now and then you get someone who just loses their damn mind. Okay. And, and it's it's just the fight. It's like is fight on. or flight. Yeah. yeah. They, they lock up. They either lock up, start what? reaching for things, or start fighting. They don't know what else to do. And mm. and what are the most pathetic like pathetic? I don't know. Why I started with that, but like where they bargain with you or. I don't know, like, you know, I would imagine you hear some ridiculous lies and, oh, yeah. you know, like, I don't uh, know. My favorite one, and, and it's not just one because it happened, uh, the first time I heard it, I said, you got to be shitting me. This can't be a conversation I'm having with a grown person. Right. It's not my pants. <laughs> If oh, you it's ever not hear my pants? Here, it's not my pants. I'm using it. That's just to say, that's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> Dozens of I put times the wrong pants on. somebody was arrested with dope or a gun or something in a pant pocket and said, it's not my pants. And you're like, dude, it's got I your put wallet. the wrong pants on. It's the wrong what? pants. Like, I got up this morning. One of my first yes. jokes was that, and it was a true, it was half a true story, then I lied. But it was at a coffee shop, and there was this homeless, it was a line in a coffee shop waiting to get, like, bagels. And this homeless guy was like three people in front of me with just shit running down both legs of his pants. Yeah. And everyone, you know, people are just, what the hell to do? <laughs> so I, I, and I was, you know, a wannabe comedian, so I thought I'll be, here's an opportunity to be funny. So I tapped him on the shoulder. And I go, hey, buddy. He said, you seem to have some shit running down the back <laughs> of your pants. And then the lie I said in the joke is that he looked down and he said, yeah, but they're my roommates. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, I thought that was funny. I can't remember why I stopped. Oh, whatever. Anyway, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a real thing. It's yeah. I, I, dozens, if not. Not my more, pants. Dozens That's of times. Awesome. Awesome. Like, Does that hold up in court? How many dudes' pants do you have just laying about your floor when the police That's come to your house? That I must don't hold up even in court. Know. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, if it's, the pants don't no fit, yeah, you, you got to quit. Um the sh- uh, uh, we started to talk about it. We didn't get it, and I really want to hear that. The the guy you came closest to shooting. Yeah, it was. Um, so I, I I told you before I'd come close a few times, which is probably a normal story for most cops. It just it's an it's inevitable part of of doing business. Um, I hadn't. It, it just never went that way for me. And usually when I come close to shooting somebody, and it, it just happened that way. They made the decision at the last minute that they didn't want – whatever they were doing, they would stop at the last possible second. And I'd never seen that to such an extreme until this this uh, this dope deal that we did uh, where – we call it a rip. Basically, we do, do a buy, an undercover buy or something else. But the plan already is not to let everyone drive away and then we just take pictures or write a report and, and come back later. We're actually going to jump out of cars. It's just like – you know, I, I grew up watching cops. You know, everyone jumps out, yeah. screams at everybody. People get thrown on the ground, and and the music plays. Um, 
we were in I had a real shitty minivan. That was my 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 government ride. It was this real shitty minivan with dark tinted windows, and they basically said you're gonna park there, like two stalls away. And when this uh, when these guys show up, they're gonna do a deal right next to you. And I'm like, well, that's fine. I, they can't see me in a window anywhere. I mean, it literally, it's a tar- just look for dark minivans with, yeah. with tinted windows, and, and, and they're them. everywhere if you look for them. That's we, why it's true. Yeah, we will be they're talking all about over. that. In a second. So, yeah. dark minivan, tinted windows. It's me and another guy, one of my partners, and I'm all geared up, uh, body armor. I've got my rifle, uh, my SWAT rifle with me. Um, and when they pull up, there's like five or six dudes in this car. It's like just there's people everywhere, and the buy happens, and then on the radio, whoever the case agent says, you know, rip, 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 which basically means you just jump out of your car and yell at people, and all we got to see. Off. Yeah, yep. yeah, obviously. So we run up, and unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, I am about six feet away from this car, and all the other cars on our team are out of the park, and we're at a gas station lot on St. Paul somewhere off of 35. So they have more distance to cover, and they're still in their car. Right, so they're calling first. out, and I'm, I'm like, "Oh, okay." So I just open the door, and I'm yelling. Oh, we got <laughs> a cowboy hey. here by himself. <laughs> it's like hey, yeah. it's me and the guy and my yeah. partner who has to run the long way around the van and then around another car. I'm basically at the passenger window within a couple of seconds, and I'm not by myself, but I'm pretty much by myself. It's just you moment. and your partner, and that's it. Yeah, and and I can hear them because I'm focused yeah. on the car now because. There's a whole lot of people in there, and it's a heroin thing and maybe some guns involved. We don't know because there's a lot of folks in there we haven't identified. We don't know who they are. We assume they're bad guys, and we just mm. don't know any different. And I can hear all my partners zooming in in the cars. You can hear the engines running. Yeah. These shitty cars they give us to come in. Those three cylinders are wailing away as they, as they tear in. And as I get up to the, the window and I look in, and there's just a massive humanity. And the passenger isn't the guy we know about. The passenger is just sitting there, and he sees me, and he just puts his hands up in the air, and he, he's backing away from the window. And the guy you who made was, him look effeminate there, the way yeah, he's he just like, but, okay, yeah. no, that's that's normal for me. That's okay. not. A... <laughs> this is the way you hold your wrist. Okay. <laughs> so, but the the guy we're actually looking for there to rest is in the driver's seat, and he's way across the car from me. And I, I so they said that's our tar. Everyone else, we're just keeping an eye on and protect. Yeah. You know, we don't know who they are, but we'll uh, keep a, keep an eye on them. So I'm yelling at this guy. All the windows are up, and I'm yelling as loud as I can. Let me see your hands. The whole thing, and I'm holding this. You have your rifle, rifle out right on him. And it's a no kidding, like, right. do it now. Um, and he opens his eyes as wide as I've ever seen. It's like comical. And they say, like, eyes as big as anyone could possibly Yeah. Have. And he looks directly at me across the car, you know, about four feet away. And he reaches into it. He's wearing sweatpants and a T-shirt. He reaches into his sweatpants, puts his wrist or uh, forearm all the way in, like, I don't know what the hell he's doing. And then he starts tugging as hard as possible. And he, like he's stuck on something. It's like he's trying like to he's get just out. Got horny. This is yeah. just turning him on. It's, it's like on <laughs> his, in his fisting himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's staring right at me. I've got a rifle at him, and I'm yelling. He wasn't mouthing anything. Like nothing. He was frozen. It was one of these these weird. I'm gonna get you, but, sucker. Is it a black guy? I mean, yeah. people have been it's shot for less. Well, here's you know? the thing. So he. He continues to do this. I'm waiting for all my partners. I'm on the wrong side of the car. So I've got this guy right here who's not doing it. He's doing the, the girly wave thing. He's out of the picture. I'm not worried about him. But the guy across the car is doing everything to me in my mind says I'm trying to get a gun out. Yeah. But I'm an 
asshole because I wore sweatpants. Yes. And who carries a gun in sweatpants? Because yeah. now they're stuck. In your ass crack. Under, yeah. Yeah. So he's pulling, and I'm yelling to anyone who listen. He's pulling something out of his pants, and I take my gun off safe because I, you know, my rifle. I take it off safe, and I'm about to shoot this guy. And I know. Okay. Did your heart start just like no. racing through? No, you got calm. It was kind of the other way. Okay. And that's just because yeah, the training, training kicks in. So after a while, I'm like, if he does this, I'm going to do this. So yeah, he yeah. is. The, everyone else in the car that I can see, because I have to believe my partner's watching the back. Mm-hmm. I don't see him because I'm the only one here. The guy in front of me is doing this, and in my mind I go, I study this ballistics and what bullets do through glass and all this other stuff as part of my other gigs. Um, and I said, look, this guy's going to get a face full of glass, but he'll be fine. He's not the bad guy. Let's you know. Let's move and make sure. Oh, you're saying the passenger is going to get a face full of glass. He's going to get a face full of glass, but he's fine. He's it's going to hurt. It's loud, but if that guy's about to pull a gun on me, I'm going to have to shoot past this guy's face and shoot that guy. And the entire time this is going through my head, he's staring directly at me. He has to hear me because I'm screaming as loud as humanly possible at this guy, and I'm screaming. He's pulling something out of his pants. I can't stop. I'm going to shoot you. I mean, talking to my partners who I can't mm-hmm. see yet and talking And they're to him. screaming too, I would imagine. They're yeah, saying I can there's hear shit people, coming. Oh, but God. I can hear the cars coming Damn. in. And I know I don't yeah. have anyone on that side of the car yet right. who can open the door and fight them or do whatever it takes or shoot them if they have to. So I have to take it on myself. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, if, if he pulls on these pants anymore because he in my mind he's got something he's just waiting for the wrist to emerge kind of but he's stuck and you can tell when somebody's stuck in something Mm -hmm. and and they're pulling the the, he's doing that Steve's into BDSM yeah so when you're when you're wrist deep and you're trying to get it out it's Mm -hmm. hard Mm -hmm. Um, so he he is about to do it and I'm about to shoot the guy and I I mean when I mean about to shoot him I'm actually on the trigger and I'm pressure on the trigger pressure on the trigger um, and I'm I'm kind of doing all this math in my head. If I move here at this angle, then if this goes, you know, if something bad happens, who am I going to hurt? Who's going to, you know, where are the bullet's going after? That's good of you to think and, of that. Like, really, well, to it think just of happens, the collateral yeah, damage. Right. Yeah, it, it just happens automatically because when they laugh and they talk about how sometimes the time slows down and yeah, yeah. I had time to have all these discussions yeah, in my yeah. head. Um, and right as I'm about to pull the trigger, two of my partners ran to that side of the door. And started working on the door. Okay. And so immediately the off switch. He didn't do – the bad guy didn't do anything to prevent me from shooting. It literally was the presence of my They partners. came into the line of fire. So if I shot through him and they were on the other side of the door, I'm out. So basically I, just, I ran out of stuff to do. All I'm seeing yelling, I can't shoot anybody. Right. I think he's still got a gun. So all I said is, well, I better start doing something. So I just started beating like a silly – I just started beating the hell out of the window with the front of my gun as hard right. as I could until it broke so that he would be busy staring at me while they could fight him. And he's the guy that once they tore him out of the car, he fought for uh, two or three more minutes, full-blown, like, fists and everything else. And he never took his hands out of his pants the whole time. What did he, did time. you ever find out what So he had in one hand in his pants? One hand in his pants. One he, went, he was still throwing. trying to get it out. And one was kicking, fighting two big guys, uh, you know, two big solid dudes, great dudes yeah. who, who – our ground fighters, they know how to do this stuff. They're on him trying to get him down, and he's punching and kicking. Turns out, and and this is why I say it's funny, after the fact, he's stuffing bags of heroin in his ass. He's got... Uh, oh, I mean, natural, while someone's making eye contact with yeah. you. <laughs> You'll so, never find this, yes, copper. Yes. <laughs> so they find this guy. He's got, literally, as they, they, I remember coming around the car, and I'm, I'm in this, like, post- not traumatic state, but this post, yeah, like oh, I had just about yeah. killed a guy. The adrenaline rush. Um, and now I know, as I come around, and they're done fighting him because I'm still busy with other people. I come around, and I say, what the fuck 
is going on? And they said, oh, he, you know, he's handcuffed now. And literally you see his sweatpants across the crack of his ass. And there is an actual like purple balloon of heroin sticking between his ass cheeks right there. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Oh, Jesus. And so the, fuck the guy, the guy ended up swallowing three, four, five balloons and tried to jam. I think he had eight or nine up his ass by the time, by the time they got him out of the car. I don't know. He just, he, he froze. He said, the only way I'm not going to prison is to get to everything get of inside of me. Yeah. So oh yeah. He's he he knew how close the getting shot. But I mean, you was. guys, when you guys arrest people like that, and with you know, obviously you know it's a drug deal. So are you guys doing? I mean, are there X-rays? Are you yep. looking for that kind of thing? Well, yeah. The, who has to go in after it? Uh, well, I think he uh, he may have. Um, I think they tried to convince him to voluntarily remove. I don't know if that worked, but ultimately the answer is they go to the hospital and they give them stuff to throw up or they do x-rays and stuff. I don't know. Okay. I, I might, if I remember this right, and this was a couple of years ago, they uh, they took him to the hospital and they recovered more out of him. I don't know if, yeah, if yeah. it was stuff he'd swallowed or up his ass or both, but um, it was it, – it was – at the time, I call, it was one of these other ones where I call my wife and I just say, you know, when I come home tonight, I'm going to have some drinks. This is another one of those. I, I might have right. a few too many, so don't uh, don't be too mad at me. But uh, uh, this was this was a close one. And for me, it, it was even more intense because I think at the time, we look at the time frame of what's going on in the country at the time, I think we were post-Ferguson. Oh, and so really? pre-Baltimore, so if you know about the two of events, course. Ferguson, sure. Sure. shooting there. All the civil unrest, uh, mm-hmm. and all the way through my head, I'm thinking, I was the next cop to, white get, cop yeah, yeah. to shoot an unarmed where this, black where, guy. Where was the guy? There was a guy in Minneapolis too, right around that time. Philandro Castile, yes. Well, yeah. that was well, and there was the fourth precinct one, I think. Yeah, that uh, was. There was, was another guy. What was the guy? Yeah. That guy's name. He was handcuffed. Yep. Uh, he was the one fighting with. He was at a medical for his girlfriend. I can't remember the name, but it was the fourth. Yeah, it was precinct. North. Yeah, yeah, it was North. That yeah. caused all the, okay. the shutdown fourth. Yeah. I thought that was for Flanders. Okay. No, that, that's oh, I know. What you're, that's yes, new. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I do know. What As yes. of now, that's still there's yeah. still in jury deliberations yes. on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're in that same general time frame where like, yeah, rude, anything yeah. goes wrong, and right? race is involved, we're fucked. And yeah. there's nothing like I can call my wife and say. Until the day is long, this guy, in my mind, is sure. stuck trying to pull a handgun because yeah. he doesn't know what he's doing. And I drill him, and I walk away, and it's a legit shoot. I mean, as far as the law goes, morality, mm. the whole yeah. thing, it's a legit shoot. But but with no one else actually getting to see what's going on, it's your word. It's yeah. it's a it's a white cop shooting a black guy who's on Yeah. Him. And so I'm stuck. I'm like, this would have – and the only thing – and usually the, the folks that come close to getting shot are the – it's their decision one way or another. They made a decision or an action to – receive the consequence or not mm-hmm. so anytime i pointed a gun at anybody and said this is the time where i'm going to shoot you or not they usually go good i'm i, I don't want to get shot today i don't i don't yeah. want to do whatever it is you're doing pointing guns at me he didn't do that it was only the presence of the partners of the mm. the other people that came over if they yeah. had been held up by a car on the way or hit a curb or whatever it was uh, a half a second yeah it might have happened i'd have been on the news you know what uh, i would have done that in that day. situation so, what's that the game? right thing <laughs> that's what I do in every situation and I want to double back to you're talking about the show Cops you know that yep. song Bad Boys I do I think it's sexist because <laughs> there's bad girls there's bad girls there. too <laughs> yeah. anyway um, I, I want to we've got to start wrapping up but these uh, when you watch, when you guys watch Cops when you're growing up did you guys ever cheer for the 
for the perps to get away. Of course. Honestly. I because no, I was, I was you, you I the was other way around. Even one, before no, you were a cop, yeah, yeah. I was I I'm always cheering for him to get away. I I'm always yeah. like, come on, underdog. Run. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Always said that. But I still like the cops. Like I wasn't, you know, in that way, but I just like everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone please, to get along. Please share cops and subscribe really my podcast. I got um, yeah. and uh so there was a thing what was the other thing? Oh, the manhunt for a cop killer. That was the other thing you texted me about. Yeah, we were um, same group. So uh, this is when you were a SWAT. Um, I was, but that's kind of a collateral thing. So okay. if that kicks off and they need us for that, we go into uniform. We go do SWAT things. Um, this was literally just every other day. This was a local case a couple of years ago now. Um, I'm driving to the office early morning, and I made a habit of just listening to the radio as I drive and I it, maybe it's just a bad habit just in case something happens you can hear it um and it literally happened that day everyone I knew was already in the office for whatever reason I was late go figure um and I heard um somebody say hey a cop just got shot like on the on the police radio which never happens in, mm-hmm. in the I've been on the job 20 years, but I've never heard somebody who wasn't a cop on a cop radio and said, a cop's just been shot. I need help or something like that. Does that make your heart go extra at all? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it does? Yeah, because it's out of nowhere. It's out of nowhere. Yeah. And just like it doesn't sound right because a lot of it becomes background noise. Like unless somebody's sending off like a tone where it's like beeping loudly or there's like elevated voices, most cop traffic's boring and traffic stops i talked to somebody wrote a ticket whatever but when somebody got on and it was full-blown like a cops and shot i'm i'm here i think they gave like a general location and nobody has any idea what's going on because of course we're not ready for it um and i'm not even on patrol so i don't have a computer or anything i'm just in a shitty minivan with tinted windows on my way to the office and i get on the phone and i i basically text everybody on our on our team and said Not while you're everybody driving. get the radio yeah i said oh. get the yeah texting and driving oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. dangerous Cut dangerous as shit too <laughs> i i texted everybody i i said get on the radio figure out where this is because now they're starting to call out like a general location and i'm not from that city where it happened i don't know the streets i know in general so i just start I turn on my lights and sirens, which is a minivan, so of course no one can, no one has any idea who the hell I am or what I'm doing. I just start tearing ass off into into suburbia and trying to figure out where the hell this is. And I'm going the wrong way. I don't know what's happening. And after a while, enough information comes out. Said, look, cop was shot and killed. He's right here on the ground. We have cops there. We think there's a car. And then from that point on, started the entire day where we, um, our team basically, because we're kind of. We're the guys in the unmarked cars who can go anywhere. We're not tied down to anything. It became our sole mission that entire day was to figure out what happened and to go get this guy. And so as more resources came to the event, they basically said, here's the car. Go to the house. So I was the second person at the house. We kicked wow. in the door. For you know, because they have was this the, the, the house car. in north, like in uh, like out northern suburb. I don't know if you can um, say it was, yeah, southeast, like, southeast suburb. This happened was this the fairly cop? recently, right? Yep. This happened like was this the yeah, cop a couple years killed ago, on, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, on a traffic highway. stop, yeah, yep. Oh no, so he, uh, the background story is he's doing a traffic stop, doesn't yeah. know anything, and as he's walking up to the car, the guy sticks a gun out and ki- kills him. Just instantly right. right every every traffic cop's worst scenario Absolutely. in general. And, and, yeah. and that's why we didn't know anything about it until mm-hmm. somebody who saw it ran over and got on the radio. I'm assuming. I, I didn't go to any of the trial stuff after. But they sent us, I mean, first things first, like, 
who's the car? We finally get a plate. Where's that come to? What address is it? So I show up there. It's just me. I don't have any equipment. The guy on. just went home? No, but they didn't know. <laughs> I mean, they didn't. I shot a cop. They didn't know. <laughs> Go home. So you just start You just start sending people everywhere because when oh, the cop okay. gets shot, it's it's everybody does everything at one time. There's no real plan. It's just like we have to react right yeah, now. One. We have to get out there before this guy gets away. We have to go. We have to go. It's a very emotional yeah. tactical. Yeah. It's just a It's bizarre. how we'd be if someone shot Steve Gillespie. Yeah, Comics absolutely. would go fucking crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> the whole community. Everyone starts screaming and punching everyone. So we, we did. We, we, we got three or four, five, six bodies, um, and now every agency in the entire metro area is showing up one at a time. I mean, they're not getting dispatched there. They're just like, cop shot. I, I don't care about traffic, or I don't care about my own city. I'm gone. Yeah. So we took the first eight or nine people. We called a bunch of folks out of the house, and then we just kicked in the door and went looking for the bad guy hiding. We assumed he was in there. We didn't know because we, it, was, it was probably 15, 20 minutes after the initial shooting. Oh, so, wow. It only so took 20 on. minutes yeah. for you guys to oh, get that? So you were the That's, second guy there, yeah. you're saying. Wow. So, yeah. so, like, where was the first guy? How did that? The first guy was a Like waiting by the front door? Who was, like, four doors down, just standing outside his car. And I... So I then did he like, look at you? So then are you in charge since you're not a really. Coast guy? He no? doesn't know who the hell I am. I mean, these guys you don't go, know hey, me you fucking me, geek, get over here. <laughs> Back me up. I'm a fucking bomb squad <laughs> sniper nah. undercover. No, I, I can go and fuck your wife. You got to thank me for it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but you do take charge in that situation, right, sort of? Well, I got a bigger gun than he does usually right. when I show up. Yeah, and that's not, not that we all... This. I love it, though. Well, I carry a big gun because mm-hmm. I don't, but okay. that's true universally, I suppose. Still very good. Um, so we were up kicking the door and, and do that thing. He's not there, so now we're stuck. So trying to make an entire day into a short story, they basically start sending us anywhere so anywhere this guy this it was involved in meth so anywhere this guy had a meth contact or had sold meth or had a buddy who did so you meth. guys you guys narrowed down who it was um it took a while and i don't remember how long but they, yeah. they eventually figured out who we thought we were looking for was mm-hmm. an actual bad dude like not who's just... behind so is that like you know on like tv cop shows when something happens and then they have the girl in the glasses who's the in the computer going like yeah well it looks like he's at this place <laughs> yeah, yeah. and they send people it is that you know, do we have one of those fat broads like that? No, we have no Chloe's. No, okay. it's it's uh, that's sorry, that's twenty four nerddom there. Yeah, um, I play sports. No, <laughs> they, uh, it, it it's it's a lot more haphazard because it's happening too fast. It's right. happening too fast for proper. Like we're not just like we'll investigate this and tomorrow we'll do some warrants and then right. next week we'll do something. It's like go find this guy. Yeah, do it now, and and a lot of it's self-administered. Like we just go do it. We we didn't ask a lot of because there's so many agencies and so many different organizations that are now involved. Because by midday, by late day, now we've got you know, there's feds involved, there's other agencies, there's marshals, there's right. anybody who carried a gun in the metro area was involved in them. It's just how that works. Right. Um, we just happen to be the guys that were running around like crazy in the middle of it because we could. We weren't tied down any geographical. Right, or you didn't have a commander telling you, like, right. No, like, oh, everyone stay here till we get proper notice. It was like, you have four people, uh, go sit on that house. If there's a car matching this, that's our bad guy, go stop him. And they sent me and one guy to a meth house, again, same suburbs, just some shitty flop house, and a guy got in a pickup truck who looked just like the guy who shot the cop. And we we had a photo of him by then, I think, so it was later in the day. And we followed him because we didn't have anybody with us. It was just... Two dudes in a yeah. shitty minivan, and 
this guy just shot a cop. So we followed him, and eventually he figured out because we weren't being subtle about it. We were just trying to call people, like, come help us. We're, mm-hmm. We think we have them. Yeah. So they're sending us cars, and they're asking us where the hell we are. We're, like, reading traffic signs as we're flying. We have no idea where we're going. Um, eventually we get stuck in a dead end, and uh, he turns around on us, and I said, oh, this this is – this is where here it is. This is it. Right. This is we're gonna, we're going to get in the shooting. We're, Does your heart start racing there? That one did because yeah. we're, we didn't have uh, all the options and resources we normally. Yeah, you're it in was a weird... more of a standoff. Like we're both at a disadvantage. We're in an unarmored vehicle. He is to disadvantage, motherfucker. You're a yeah. SWAT sniper. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. the guy. No, it's funny. So as we're thinking, we're about to get in a shooting. What he does? All of a sudden, an arm comes out. He's facing us now because he turned around in a dead end. He arm comes out and he checks a meth pipe through the air, and it just goes sailing 30, 40 feet over into the side of the driveway. And he sticks his hands up and surrenders. It turns out it's not our guy. He's just another methy-looking white dude. Yeah. Who. Happened to leave so him just a good help. guy. Just a yeah. average citizen. <laughs> yeah, a citizen. So, a citizen. So, but we a did this citizen. and we did, and ultimately, uh, not to belabor the point, ultimately, our our team was there during the final shootout that was in St. Paul. We're up front, so they weren't involved in the actual shooting, but. As usual, I'm five minutes too late to everything. That's my story. So then you life. just walk up and just like <laughs> shooting three or four rounds into <laughs> like, the air. It's like, hey, I'm here too. <laughs> I get my four day vacation now. Like I'm just like you guys. That's like the guy when I. It's like when I played football in eighth grade. It would be like the tackle and the play would be over and I'd just jump. The pile jump. Yeah. <laughs> Led the league in pile jump. <laughs> yeah, so we sat there pointing guns at the guy after he'd already been shot and, and shot back at the cops and kind of had this little gun battle and then he was just in the car not moving we were all just up there pointing guns but by that point there was probably a hundred cops and a helicopter and everybody else because everyone's been looking for this guy and now here he is getting in a gun battle he gets arrested we stand around and do nothing right we spend the entire day driving these piece of shit cars with these shitty lights that no one can really see on the side of the road on a freeway trying to get by people and rush our traffic because somebody says, go to this city. Okay. Yeah. How about this? I've, I've always wondered. So when when you guys do shoot a perp or just even a citizen for fun, do you – so it always seems like they get shot six times or whatever. Is that a like? Is that your mandate from the department that if you fire your weapon, you have to empty it into the person? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, why do you think that? Ha- I mean, am I accurate in that, or am I? Insane? Um, I, I'd say it's. Well, Sounds like it's a hard like one. Fear. It's physiological. There's there's a right. lot of science involved in that that just says when that moment happens, you you're not going to keep track of how many rounds you shoot. Yes, I believe. And that. part of it is human human bodies in general. Human beings are very durable. They can hold a lot of bullets. They can hold, and it's funny, but true. So you get shot twice and you're still moving around. I've I've seen people take a tremendous amount of damage to their bodies and still still breathe and still live. Now, maybe they died later, but the point is you can shoot people, hopefully justifiably and, and, and ethically, and they don't die and they're still threats. They can still move. They can still shoot. They can still pose a threat to you. So it's somewhere between physiology, trainings involved, uh, biology. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. all wrapped up into like this millisecond event where you're just like, holy mm. shit, boom, 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 boom. Right. And then you're like, I just you ran out of rounds. You just want them dead so bad. <laughs> well, dude, that, that brings me to my a question I was thinking about because I've seen this. I've seen it just from the videos. And, and I'm not, I don't know if I'm sure it's a difference in different precincts and different cities. But I've seen with these some of these sh- cop shootings where the person – will be the perp will be shot he'll be on the ground bleeding to death 
and the cops are like no one's doing anything to like, or worse help yeah they when they guy. when they fucking handcuff him when they should which they just I le- get they just why. leave and they just but then it, then there's no like attempt to resuscitate so, or like help the person stay alive and is that is, are you guys trained is that like the way it's supposed to be or because you see that a lot and i've always wondered like why you know what i mean and then you know come out later that the guy was unarmed or whatever the situation is that's or always, even armed or even armed it can yeah be both ways but it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah what is the protocol yeah protocol Let's um i in general safety first so shooting mm-hmm. happens generally speaking at least how how i was trained was it's still an unknown it's still a it's still a hostile event, even though the shooting has stopped. So you've got to evaluate. And then you're talking about the physiology and the oh yeah, are there the other bad guys? The, are the yeah. other things again? We talk about people can take a lot of damage and still be a threat. We've seen that time and time again, especially okay. if you watch these videos where they do this. But yeah, there is a, there is a point I think where you're you're you move past the safety issue and you get into kind of an ethical. What what is my responsibility? Yeah. Now? If it were me, and again, I've, I've already said this up front, I have not experienced this, so I can't speak from personal experience, yeah. only training. If it comes to the point where the threat is over and I still don't have any medical personnel there, we're kind of – the assumption is at some point somebody's got to render some aid if mm. we can justify it. Our trauma training now, we're very fortunate. The agency I work for, uh, the SWAT team I work for, we have some great medics that spend a lot of time – going through tourniquet use and all these other things mm. where we can do some pretty basic stuff but pretty effective things if we have to. And mm. if somebody was shot and bleeding on the floor, we could render some kind of aid. But that's backing up. That's that's saying, okay, now I'm already in a – where now it's more of a medical issue yeah. than mm-hmm. now a, a deadly yeah. force incident. It's going to take a long time to get a cop from the deadly force thing into rendering aid. That's and pretty hard. we're seeing hard it more and more now. We're seeing change better. gears that fast well, is pretty extraordinary. Especially yeah. if you're the one you think that guy was trying to kill you. Yeah, you're involved. Yeah, I mean, in it's like, like being in a war. Yeah. And you're like, you know, right. you shot a Nazi and then you're running right. over yeah. there. That's <laughs> like you right. drop a bomb and then you go to the airport <laughs> and get in a car and go over and start, <laughs> right. yeah, administering aid. So aid. I, yeah. I think you're always going to fight human nature on that. It's not going to be natural for people to go from, I was just in a deadly shootout to... I'm going to stop now go to my car and get a medical bag. I would say you'd probably see it more often if follow on people because after shooting like this other one, mm-hmm. everyone comes. So at some point the resources are coming and in the mm-hmm. metro area, everyone will show up and all the medics and all the fire. Those guys are going to do the trauma care. Mm-hmm. My job is to make sure nobody else gets shot, like sure. especially our guys. How about so. this? So you can't beat up perps anymore. You can't no. do all that stuff. So do you, you sound you, so disappointed? Are you, you able to? Well, I am a little bit for the podcast sake, <laughs> but you can still say whatever you want to them. Do you ever like? Have you ever said some just devilish things like you just? I'm like you are gonna go to a jail with guys who will just fuck you in the ass, or you know where you do that where you like where your teeth are gritted but you're whispering into his ear yeah. like you're gonna fucking fry for that. I don't know. Do you ever no, say shit yeah. like that? Oh yeah, no, especially under those stressful. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> Um, I mean, that, that'd I be did. your only like thing to unload, right? Well, it's it. Yeah, I think that's fair. You say, look, I I, I was just pointing a guy at this, a pointing gun at this guy. Yeah, I thought I had a gun, and then when he's done, my emotional outlet is is yeah, you know, his face. Am I, yeah. yeah, like what am I going to tell yeah. this guy? Like, dude. Yes. I have yelled at people and said, I almost killed you today. 
you're an asshole. Yeah. yeah. And much worse than that, obviously. That, I was going to say, that is so tame. So it's lame. unbelievable. Please tell me something better, something that you regret you said. Um, I did tell a kid I'd shoot him in the fucking face once. Um, <laughs> but, I'll shoot you in the fucking face. Yeah, Can you imagine saying that for real? Um, this guy's but, a fucking psycho. <laughs> we got to get him out of the studio. <laughs> But I'll that was that was I was a new face. cop again on training. All these great stories come from the training where yeah. it was somebody else. It was a r- armed robbery, and there was like four or five dudes, and we found one hiding under something. And it was like, well, is this guy got the gun or one of the other five? Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't listening, and I finally just I I pointed my gun at his face and I told Be him, like, that. your head is the shish kebab, and my <laughs> dick is the skewer. <laughs> That's for your next one. That's pretty good. Okay, I'll, Thank I'll you. Have you been a cop before? I'll save that. <laughs> just some my fan. You should I be training that. cops, Gabe. I should. I'd I like will. to do the verbal portion. <laughs> the verbal, you'll yeah. do the verbal judo for oh. all the cops. Uh-huh. Well, nowadays with with uh, the up or downside, depending on where you're coming, is thing with cameras everywhere, both cell phones and body cameras. Now everybody's got body cameras. Yes. Mm-hmm. getting them. Those days are kind of out. Those unfettered, I get to say whatever I want. Like yeah. when I was doing dope work, we did it all the time, not only because we could, like, but hey, because the folks that we're nice dealing with, over there. Ah, you know, the folks, <laughs> Sorry. The, the folks we're dealing with understand a certain folks. language mm-hmm. and a yeah. certain intensity that I couldn't do with a gal on a speeding ticket, obviously. Sure. You wouldn't do that. Yeah. Right. Um, doing dope work, you could do almost any of it yeah. because those There's folks- scum are yeah. used to talking to each other and talking to us yeah. like that and would talk to us like that too so. yeah it's a different level yeah uh, but no those days where you can just say anything you want though that'll get you jammed up just as quick as a lot of things now i think this so i was pulled over oh god a few years ago and i had a suspended license that i was completely unaware of com- like genuinely unaware of like i get pulled over and i'm i'm almost Enthusiastic. I think I remember this. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. generally like enthusiastic. Like, oh, I'm going to talk to this cop. I was speeding. I, you know, I shouldn't have done it. No big deal. Yeah. And then, you know, and it's pleasant. And then he goes back to his car and he's like, you have a suspended license. And it's just your stomach drops. Like, what? <laughs> and then he takes me back and he, then he cuffing me on the side of the road. I get put in a plastic. It's like a fucking high chair. Like, like it's one of those molded seats. So. It, like, comes up under your crotch and it has things for your ass. What, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It just feels, like, inhumane to be yeah. put in this thing. And I'm like, I had a, it's an unpaid ticket. What the fuck are we doing here? My yeah. car's decided <laughs> And he's like, and the guy turns back. He goes, man, he goes, honestly, I'm sorry. He goes, if this was 10 years ago, I would have let you slide. But he's like, now they have, you know, he's like, body cameras, all this. He's like, we just got to play by the book. Oh, he's like, sorry. And it really is. It dawned on me. It's like, it's because of all our fucking rules and all these people who <laughs> are bitching about everything all the time. Now everyone has to play by the fucking rules all the time. We can't have Yo, there's no There's no room for discrepancy. Oh, there's no like pulling my like my car out from under a school bus and going like, I had a couple of cocktails. <laughs> you know, now it's, it's like, now I have to Don't go to jail. This, yeah. guy's, this guy's making yeah. me laugh. Let's right. just love. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, I got out of a DUI for real. I was, this is when I was in college at the at the U of M, about to move to California. So it was my final night. We're all getting hammered. Me and my friend Brand got left behind. So it was we were at Sally's bar and we had to drunk drive home. And I'm I mean we're fucking hammered, like hammered. So I think we got to stop and get some cheese corn before we get home to soak up this booze. We stop, get some cheese corn. We drive home. Wait, wait, cheese corn? The yeah, you know, like uh, orange popcorn. 
Okay. Okay. You know, nobody popcorn. calls it cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cheese corn. Okay. Before. Well, cheddar flavored corn. Whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so cheese, cheesy popcorn. Corn? Yeah. So okay. then we're like, and <laughs> sorry, I got real hung up on cheese corn. <laughs> and I remember we were shitting our pants, going like, we are so drunk. We know this is a huge problem, but I had no, in my mind, no choice. Yeah, I yeah. Do, like, I got to get the car home. I have to get up in the morning and drive to L.A. and uh, and get my destiny as a drug addict. <laughs> and the last two blocks from my house were away from all civilization or whatever. I decide to be funny and accelerate through the four-way stop and do like a big squeal turn. Sure. And right as I do that, the one time in four years I lived there, there's a cop just <laughs> sitting there with his lights <laughs> off. And it was just like, I mean, you want to kill yourself. Like, oh, my <laughs> God, I can't believe I did that, you fucking idiot. He just pulls like I pulled over in half a block, like just where you instantly pull over. Yeah, like yeah. I'm dead, I'm yeah, dead. This yeah, is yeah. over. And he comes up, and I remember he flashes the light, and he kind of like smirked, but I didn't know why. I just thought we looked drunk or something. Yeah. And he takes me back to the car, and he's being very nice. And he's oh, like, he took you out of the car right away. Yep, yep, took me right back to his car right away. Yeah. And I'm sitting in the back. He passed the breathalyzer back to me in the back seat. Has me blowing it. I did it. And as we're doing it, he's asking me questions. And he said, how many beers have we had? I said, two beers. <laughs> you know. That's what everyone and, says. Right, right. That's what everyone two. says. Yeah. And then, and then he got the breathalyzer back and he looked at it. And I think I blew a, like a, like a .14. No, it, it was two and a half times the legal oh, limit. Shit. I know that. That's because nice. he goes. It's like point two then, probably at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. It was very two. high because I just remember he goes, woo. Like he did a noise. He goes, <laughs> Man, you blew two and a half times the legal limit. I thought you said you had two beers. I said, they were really big beers. <laughs> and he laughed. And he honestly laughed. And he shook his head. And he goes, you made me laugh. And, and I go, I'm two blocks from my house. Two blocks. They left me in another car. He goes, you fucking walk back to your house. He goes, I have your ID. I know where you live. If I drive by here at 5 a.m. and this car is gone, I will pull you out of your bedroom and fucking arrest you. <laughs> and, I, and I remember... Like we get back to the car and I tell my friend Brent, like, oh, you know, we like we got to walk home. And we, I remember Branch just starts going, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." And I'm like, "No, stop saying thank." We're still thinking we're just go, just go. yeah, let's just, just go. go. Shut up and go. And I remember we got home to the like to the apartment. We're fucking high five and like celebrating into the yard, like we got away with it. And I remember we turned on the bathroom lights and the look, and I had orange cheese dust <laughs> all over my face and shirt because when we got pulled over i started rubbing it instinctually like i got orange hands i gotta get it off me <laughs> but i rubbed it out of my face and shirt like we just looked like a couple of fucking maniacs and i just think that cop could have ruined my life at that point could have ruined my life and i Fucking, I want to thank him right here. I want to thank the general police force <laughs> for having a guy on it that'd be fucking cool to someone who really didn't deserve it. But I still really appreciate it. And and that's good fucking whatever. So thank you. Good karma. Yes. Yes. That's a good, I will never kill a cop. Have you ever so let any? No, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Never. Thank you for that. Have you ever let anybody off that was like uh, certainly, absolutely 100% guilty? Absolutely. All wow. the time. Is it a good feeling? Uh, yeah. Yeah? I, I did. I wasn't really... You're talking about DUIs. I wasn't or a big DUI whatever. guy yeah, on the yeah. road. Yeah, I, um, I've, I've let a lot of folks go, and I've done some... A lot? Yeah. Like, just Jesus drugs. Christ, drugs. Man, you're yeah. a danger. No, it's nope. just no. DUIs. I mean, yeah. people have their thing when you're, you, you can't focus on everything all the time. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. When I work nights, 
tying me up for a couple hours on a DUI arrest for something minor, in my opinion, wasn't the priority. Like right. backing my partners up because we didn't have that many people out on the road at the same time was more important. So I'd, I've done things like that. Like this car is locked with the keys in it and you come back in the morning. If I, You know, same thing, yeah. same threats. Okay, if really? I see that That's car a move again, sort of thing? Yeah. someone's going to jail. Yeah. I, I, I will... You know, and actually a lot of people are like, you can hit them harder when you talk about how expensive it is to tow and impound yeah. your car. I'll tow and impound your car. That's just going to cost you like three, $400 tomorrow. Or you leave, pull it into this driveway, call, well, we didn't have Uber back then. Sure. Call a cab, walk home, whatever it is. And everyone's usually like, yeah, I, I, I would much rather do that. Yes. Than yeah. 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 Do and how many, because how many, like what was the percentage of these people? 95 or 90% hot chicks? Almost none. Really? No. So do you get more guarded because of that? No, I don't. You know, I don't. I'm trying to remember I mean one to where it was like that obvious, and I don't. Um, so most of the never... folks getting DUIs when I was working were like, you know, middle-aged married dudes, 20-year-old dudes were out partying, and occasionally some gals doing like wine, you know, wine happy hours on a Thursday sure. night at, at TGI Fridays. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. That's why I could never yeah. be an undercover cop because, like, whenever the drug dealer would leave to go get the drugs, I'd turn to the prostitutes and everyone would go like, hey, cop. <laughs> huh? That hot? I think that's cool. I'm about to bust this guy. <laughs> Give me some head. <laughs> yeah. God, it's all about the negotiation. It's been a, this has been a fun yeah. podcast, Jay. Thank you again. Thanks, thank you, Thanks Steve Gillespie, and listen to his podcast under our covers. Yep, uh, website www.gillespiecomedy.com. My newest album just came out. Alive. Hit number on one. State, hit number one on iTunes and hit the Billboard charts. Say that title one more time. Alive on State. It's with Stand and, Up Records, which I yes. believe you're on as well, right? And I do promote his record at the top of this podcast. So Are you? So it should be redundant. Yes. Cool, I man. told you that. Oh, yeah, Every you tell me that. at the beginning. Stop acting humble, Steve. you got to listen to this. <laughs> no. yeah. Absolutely. Jay, thank you very, very much. I'm sure we'll do a third one. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Anytime. Nice, nice to meet you. Good to be here. Tevin, well done. The most silent you've ever been. Bye, Tevin. Even that. That was icy. <laughs> Kevin, say something nice to the people at the end of it. Uh, we just want to thank everybody for the support, all the love. Shout out our fans in Ireland. We're an international podcast now. Yeah. Oh, hey, and please. Rate, subscribe. We get so many subscribers and listens, but there's not too many people rating it. Please rate it. It really... And subscribe. Do the whole fucking thing. And it, share. And is this this is on iTunes that they do that? iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, wow. Google Play, all yeah. over the place. So, yeah. So, yes, thank you very much to everyone who's listening. I might, um, I might not have to sell furniture my whole life. So keep this going. Thank you. Good. All right. That was our episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, please... Um, share and rate and uh, subscribe to our podcast. Please do all those three things. I'm so tired of selling furniture. I need to make money off this. So please do those things. Anything you can do, follow us on Twitter um, at Gabe Noah Podcast. And if you have any questions, share them on our social media. Or if you have someone who you think should be a guest, hit us up at info at professionconfession.com. So thanks for listening, and uh, please share in all those things.